are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. when it rains I'm only happy when it's complicated and though I know you can't appreciate it I'm only happy when it rains what is this um my vocal exercises there's an outfit now this is my new uniform a nine inch nails t-shirt and a a flannel is that a flannel this is my treasured youth it isn't Starfleet approved, sir. I approve it. Hmm. Why don't we just start? I'm not changing. Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I'm apparently living in the Earth in 1990s. Just a reminder to our listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well said, sir. Thank you. Now, where we left off last time, we left our listeners in the abyss. We did, but we were not wearing Nine Inch Nails t-shirts and flannels. Uh, yes, and I regret that. Hmm. Well, I suppose it is appropriate to where we left Carol in her second hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So I hope that our listeners all survived the abyss and are listening to this continuation. Um, If you are one of Spock's followers and you want to get out your copy of the hero's journey and turn to uh, page... 210, sir. Page 210. Great. (laughs) You can do that so you can follow along. (laughs) Yes. And I uh, must give a shout out that at least one of our listeners did tweet at us and let us know that they did, in fact, pull out the book and were following along, which I find a delightful. Wait, no, they, they pulled out the actual book? Yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. Listener, yeah. we see you out there. <laughs> I ta- I tagged you, but I know you you don't tweet that much. No, I need it's it's on my uh actually, you know what I should do? I should add it to like my list of monthly goals and my my bujo. Um because I'm very good at at crossing crossing things off lists if it's in my bullet journal. That's we're so different. And that's <laughs> beautiful (laughs) it's beautiful and it's why we work so yes (laughs) as you were saying sir we left carol in the abyss and because um we were talking before the show started here folks about ways that we sometimes like to overcomplicate things that maybe didn't need to be that complicated but but you know here we are anyway um (laughs) that we were we were talking about carol's like two heroes journeys um and And we're going to be getting to the point where they sort of like dovetail into the other. But just as a quick refresh, Carol's Journey 1 
um, very much was like the past that sort of predates uh, the Marvel Cinematic uh film itself right and so her of her first abyss is when uh dr lawson aka mar bell um <laughs> so and, clever <laughs> you know i do feel like if marvel ever would contract us as writers we could bring a lot to the table with like puns alone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so anyway so her abyss is like she and, and marvell crash the ship um and marvell dies and then Carol has that showdown, her first showdown with Jude Law, um, who we're just calling Jude Law because Jan Rog is just, no. <laughs> it's the worst. It is the literal worst. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're noping that one real hard. So nope to you, Jan Rog. <laughs> More like non-Rog. Am I right? Or am I right? Or not Rog, if we wanted to do, like, do it French. No. <laughs> uh okay so that was her abyss in her like her hero's journey a a and so help me out here sir what was hero's journey b what was her abyss there so hero's journey b she is uh she is captain marvel and now Mm -hmm. she is uh she has found herself on earth and shit's kind of hitting the fan with uh the the non-cree the the scrolls the scrolls yes and like i don't know i don't know if we could say that she's full on captain marvel yet because it does seem like in this film part of what they're trying to show is how she becomes full on her most captain marvel self right sure so she's veers she's she's still veers she still has that like sort of like green gray black um sort of like tire type situation costume. Um, It's very reminiscent of the uh, rubber tire costumes that they did in the uh, Val Kilmer Batman. Um, (laughs) And we're just so very memorably like amped up in the tire department with the George Clooney Batman. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So that's where we left her. And now Mm -hmm. it's time for tests, right? tests uh well so in the more chill version of the hero's journey sketch if you're looking at that one like the one you find on wikipedia sure sure next up um is transformation Mm. because in the abyss you find death and rebirth oh sure hold on and something is and something is revealed to you Oh, sure, sure. Yes, I am looking at this a more chill and reversed version. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have a strong opinion about which way we go. What is uh, what is our mm. our father figure, Joseph Campbell, have to say? What happened next? Well, I'm, I would imagine that our, our father figure, Joseph Campbell, would remind us that every hero's journey is a little different. Oh, mm. and that even within a main arc of heroes journeying one perhaps recycles through kind of smaller versions before they get to the like pen ultimate um or you know the ultimate the apotheosis if you will which is like the full-on transformation um which is probably why he would feel that it was appropriate and not overcomplicating it that we kind of broke carol's hero's journey down into like parts a and part b Mm -hmm. um because it is pretty typical for the hero to kind of run through 
several sort of smaller versions before they can like fully transform because I don't know, transformation is a, is a complicated process and it just, it takes time. Yes. I, that is one of my favorite examples of a hero's journey is the caterpillar into a butterfly. Wow. I, I did not think that that was where you were going, sir. Yep, it is. Uh, so, <laughs> so please continue. <laughs> so, so we we all know that caterpillars turn into butterflies. If you didn't, uh, spoilers. Also, I don't know. Read a book mm-hmm. um, or go outside. Or go outside. The, the very hungry caterpillar is a great sort of entryway into the hero's journey. <laughs> the caterpillar and the butterfly. Oh my god, that is super deep. Uh, And no wonder I went down this path. That was my favorite book. Uh, Yeah, so that's lovely. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Um, So the reason that this became my favorite hero's journey um, is not because of the very hungry caterpillar, um, but because of Lost. And I know that I'm getting us off the train. But for okay. those we're, who we're ha- going we're gonna to get back on the train. And in fact, it's going to be both mm-hmm. a metaphor. It'll be like a double metaphorical train because we're getting off the train right now. But when we get back on the train, we're also going to join Carol, a.k.a. Veers, who's on the train kicking some ass. But for now, we're getting <laughs> off both trains and we're talking about <laughs> the J.J. Abrams series Lost. <laughs> and for those of you who have let us know, sometimes we have too many fandoms. Sorry. Uh, We've also mentioned nature. (laughs) Perhaps the first fandom. (laughs) For all nature. The first fandom. No, I love it. Uh, Yeah, so there's a scene in Lost where John Locke is explaining... uh, Basically, he's explaining the power of struggle. Mm. And what he does is he grabs a cocoon that has a, a burgeoning butterfly in it, and you can see the butterfly flapping its wings. And you know he takes out his, one of his many, many, many giant knives. If you never watched the show, this dude just had a lot of knives. He had so many um, knives. It was it's amazing. So many-, <laughs> so many knives, always very well sharpened. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they caught the light in like both a many menacing and a beautiful way. Um, you know, the tiny guy whose name I don't remember, but I will always think of as a hobbit, um, was always very impressed by John's numbers. Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan, yes. He was very impressed by uh, John Locke's knives. And you know what? Me too. I was right there with him. <laughs> yeah. So he's showing, okay, you see how this butterfly is struggling. I could use this knife and I could just crack open its cocoon mm. and it would be free. But it would die because the way that it gets its strength is through all that flapping and struggling to get its cocoon open. Wow. So it it would actually be harmful for me to help it instead of letting it struggle to survive. And I think that's just such a beautiful, evocative image of the hero's journey that like you have to go through this abyss in order to transform you you cannot be a butterfly unless you are in that cocoon kicking its ass mm-hmm. and then like first. and then like failing to to like kick its ass and break it open but then resting up like taking a breath and then trying again 
Mm-hmm. Who and who knows how many times? I don't know. John Locke didn't talk about that. No, no, he didn't. Um, maybe that was in like the deleted scenes, though. Probably not. Um, you know what this does make me think of now, though. Mm. Not the very hungry caterpillar, um, <laughs> or one of its several spiritual se- sequels, because that book was very popular. Um, <laughs> it actually makes me think of uh, Jude Law. And oh. I, I know, I know, I, I, I'm, I zagged instead of zigged, but stay with me. So it makes me think of Jude Law <laughs> um, and the way that he attempts to sort of mentor Carol when she becomes Veers in kind of the part A version of her hero's journey. So mm-hmm. he does, and, you know, again, massive spoilers here, friends. If you haven't seen the film, it's been out for a while and it's, it's time. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I would just go. So we're just gonna keep going. So anyway, so he does. I mean, he sees the the power and the strength in Carol, absolutely. Um, and while the movie doesn't say this directly, I think we can all kind of infer that he's very excited about ways that he might be able to use it and exploit it and like bring it back to the Cree homeworld to do just that. And I think also at the same time, it does seem like he has a growing sort of emotional attachment to her, and we really see this kind of when the movie starts properly and this is when the sort of um part or like yeah the part a of carol's hero's journey begins to kind of like dovetail and kick off part b right because in those opening scenes we see that like she and june law are sparring right and Mm -hmm. that veers herself is like very frustrated she doesn't like that she has to go see like the supreme what is the thing called again? I can't ever remember. Supreme intelligence. Supreme intelligence. She's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I want to just start. Why can't I go on missions? And that like Jude Law is there and he's like watching her struggle, but he he doesn't want to help too much. He wants her to struggle because I, I do think that his hope is that Veers will become his ideal, like his version of the hero. Hmm. And spoiler alert, his version of the hero turns out to be the villain. so hashtag problematic jude um but he's still like he is in his in his attempt to be a good mentor he is kind of he has this like john lockean approach where he's like no man you you like you gotta struggle um Mm -hmm. and when we think about sort of helpers which pop up kind of along the way in our hero's journey both in the beginning and kind of during this part that's in the middle you do see helpers that are not they're not helpers in the traditional sense they're not like oh here i am i'm gonna like save you and pull you through this is not a doctor who episode right um (laughs) the doctor is not going to come in and save veers Mm -hmm. because you know, different fandoms. But anyway, putting that aside, um, Jude Law very much understands that the best way to help is to let her figure it out to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I talk to clients about this when, um, when, when clients and I, I, we've never talked about it, but I bet I could lay down money that someone has said to you at some time, Larissa, just tell me what to do. Oh God. Yeah. including people i work with who have known me long enough to know that i'm not going to do that yep same same (laughs) they're like like, maybe today will be different maybe i can like catch her at the right moment and she'll like tell me how how it is yeah my my favorite is they're like just tell me what to do come on like they they see my face and they're like just just this once um but we wouldn't be proper helpers mm. 
if we told you what to do, right. we would we would be cutting open your cocoon. And and really, we don't know the answers either. Spoiler alert, because there's no right or wrong here. Um, so, I mean, I could just I could just tell you what to do, but that's not necessarily helpful. That might be harmful. Mm-hmm. Keep you from having strong wings. Yeah. And that's not going to help. Mm-hmm. So we're in the abyss, right? Carol's in the abyss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's occurring to me as we're talking about it that really kind of part A of her hero's journey ends up being it's her struggling with whether or not she wants to become a Cree hero. Mm-hmm. And when she lands on Earth, which very much like helps like the part A version join the part B of her hero's journey, like that that is where we see like the transformation that Jude Law envisioned, which was again the transformation into full on Cree warrior, that starts to go awry. Yes, mm-hmm. because we met Nick Fury and little baby Colson. Oh, baby Colson. Like spoilers, Colson does not have a lot to do in this movie. No, but he's there. He is. He's there and he has marginally more hair and he he's very sweet. <laughs> I I love I love a Colson appearance no matter what. Absolutely. So she's there. She's on that train. Um, and she's beating up she's beating up those scrolls, right? Because she's still very much mm-hmm. operating under the idea from part A, Hero's Journey. No, no, no. Part yeah, no, yes, part B. Yep. She's very much like she's in that part B where she's like, Yep. <laughs> See, it is confusing. It's important to have it, but it is confusing. So she's in like the beginning, then she's in part B where she's thinking, the <laughs> it is not helping that you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we were talking about Veers as part A. We were. But and and Earth as part B. We were, but now part A has joined part B. So it's abracadabra. Well, well, right? I mean, like let's like pause and like talk this one through, but so but part A is like it is supposed to the transformation from the part A journey is that she is supposed to go from being like just a regular old human who's like struggling with like 1990s sexism and patriarchy. Um, and that then she gets these superpowers, which um, they, they try to dull when she gets to the Cree homeworld because she can't be too powerful um, until mm-hmm. they've fully. Yeah. More, more sexism. More sexism. It's true. It's true. Um, but this, but, but this is where her hero's journey very much like the Cree come in and they're like, let's change it. Let's change it and make it something that will benefit us because it will very much benefit us if we can get Veers to become a Cree hero. And maybe if we kind of like mess with her powers and her abilities and sort of like wipe her memory and kind of brainwash her and we like, drop in like sexy jude law who's her mentor but seems to have something something else going on there um maybe if we like work at all this we can get her to become the kree hero that we want because mm-hmm. that's that's the transformation that they want to have happen but then she lands on earth and something else happens okay so if if i am following you mm-hmm. with with your a b storyline yes um 
we are coming to the the close of story A and we're starting Hero's Journey B. Mm-hmm. So her so her call to adventure in story B is she's she's starting to have these memories, she's starting to have this call to adventure that like hey there there's more here you're not just this this Cree warrior. Mm-hmm. And here is this helper in the form of Nick Fury, which we should all be so lucky. Um, a lot of truth am I right? there. Yes. Or am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we have a lot of challenges and temptations. We're fighting with the with the scrolls. Um, and we realize that we love the 90s. The fashion is the best. The music. My God. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. We do know that that part of the film really spoke to you on a visceral level. <laughs> I I could watch this all day in this t-shirt. And don't forget that I'm getting a little. Well, I'm getting a little chilly. I might put it on now. Mm. Take it off of my waist. Um. So where does she, how does she find the abyss, death, and rebirth in story B? Where does that happen? So this is where, admittedly, it does get a little confusing. But stay with us, listeners, because we're gonna we're gonna pull us out of this very confusing abyss, right? Um, Maybe you know. Let, let's have let's have faith in us, sir. You know, you have you have your trusty flannel on and nine inch nails, and it seems like that's really inspiring a lot of creative intellectual flow for you right now. Um, <laughs> Vulcans don't understand these things, but I, you know, I support you because that's what love is. We learned that from our Thanos episode. Um, Yeah. So in the part A storyline, right, when Carol comes to her transformation from part A is to um, both have these amazing powers um, from Marvel's mm-hmm. machine, but then also to find herself on this alien world. Mm-hmm. And she is not, she has lost her memory. She is not, she is not fully human anymore because she has these amazing abilities. Um, and this is where, and you do see this in the hero's journey where we have sort of that, the, the canonical version, but as the hero's journey is happening in stories, both in stories and in real life, um, it we don't necessarily hit all of all of the markers. So in part A, she does transform. She is now the she is in, she's beginning to integrate the supernatural component of herself, right? Um, but she mm-hmm. doesn't she doesn't do a return. She hasn't returned to Earth yet. And this is where part A very much dovetails into part B, right? Because the the storyline B is the hero's journey that wasn't, or maybe more specifically, it is the Kree homeworld's attempt to make Veers into a Kree warrior. And that kind of reaches its apex when she crash lands on Earth, is in her very 1990s appropriate green tire suit 
Um, <laughs> it runs into Fury, runs into baby Colson, has that whole train scene. And after that, um, when she and like Nick Fury start to team up is when we get kind of this third version of the hero's journey for Carol. So stay with me. Pete. Oh, no. I know we have a, we have a third revolution, a third revolution part C, if you will, because this is, <laughs> and this is where Carol starts to start. She starts to get her memory back and she begins to understand more about what happened to her. And this is where, as you were saying, like we, we see the openings, the beginnings of a hero's journey again in this like sort of like part C, the C storyline, because we do get the call to adventure from memories coming back from being on Earth. And we have that most amazing of all helpers, which is Nick's Fury. And I'm going to now pass it over to you because this part's kind of your baby. Um, wh- which, what part's my baby? Oh, uh, the part C. It, oh, it's my baby. Well, because it's, it's, it's um, a lot about the 1990s. There's that whole car montage <laughs> of I'm only happy when it rains. Like this is this is the part in the film where you, it's not just like flashback of the 90s. Like we're like in the 90s, and it it really it seemed like it really did something for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a cat. I liked that. Sure. Um, yeah, we got Goose the cat. I who I would say was also a helper. Yes. Um, yeah. Nick Nick Fury was a helper. Um, do, would you say that uh, Carol had a mentor or while well, she was still Veers? You feel like Veers had a mentor? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we've talked about Sexy Jude Law as a mentor. And then way, way mm-hmm. back in the the OG, the part A of her hero's journey, I think it seemed like her mentor was Dr. Lawson for sure. But in this third C revolution... Mm. I don't really Does she have a specific mentor. I don't think so because I think this is when the she becomes her own mentor. Of course, past Carol is present Veers' mentor. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. Oh my god, we can help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I've always said. Well, and this goes back to your great point about like therapy and the in John Locke and the Chrysalis and the, you know, the very hungry caterpillar, right? Which is that <laughs> As helpers, as therapists, certainly we can help. We can we can provide aid and support and reflection and redirection and, and all these amazing skills and tools that we have. But ultimately, it's all in service to the client, or I suppose if you're a psychiatrist, you're the patient, right? Learning learning how to how to help themselves, how to mentor themselves, learning how to be the strength, the guide, the change that they are seeking, because it, it does come from inside first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I often joke that I, I work to put myself out of business. You do. Yeah. Cause I'm, cause I'm working to help other people feel, I'm working to help my clients figure out how to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So eventually they don't need me anymore. Um, right. Or, they can just or look- maybe they have, I don't know, they come back for like booster sessions and things. Sure. Well, and um, ghost me that appears when they have a big decision to make. Um, you know, what What would Justine say about this? It's true. Um, and this is probably something that we'll talk about in more detail in a future pod, but just to give kind of like the elevator um, for listeners who are like, what, why is Justine like haunting her clients? Um, (laughs) No, we're not saying that Justine is haunting her clients. What we are putting forth is, and this is going to be easier for folks who have seen Battlestar Galactica. And if you haven't try to, 
um, because it's really good. And I I mean the Ron Moore (laughs) series. I don't mean the OG series. Um, Come at me on Twitter if you have different feelings. Um, We can have a rich intellectual dialogue about it. Um, But in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series, right, we have the character Gaius, who has just like a torrid affair with a Cylon named Caprica Six. And these are not spoilers. These are things that like you'll you'll get in like at one. Um, but if you're very concerned about spoilers, stop listening now. Pick back up, back up in about five minutes. Um, five minutes? Like, like five minutes after this. Oh, no, you're right. Um, It'd be like 20 seconds. It's true. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Unless you want to hit pause, <laughs> watch the whole series, and then come back, which is obviously going to be longer than 20 <laughs> seconds unless you have a time turner. but i'm really getting lost in the woods here let me bring it on back home um gaius starts to have visions of caprica six long after they've been separated in which she talks to him like the actual like living version of her talk to him Um, but she also seems to be vaguely omniscient right and so mm-hmm. like on on the show it's kind of referred she's referred to as kind of like angel caprica six not because she's angelic but because she kind of appears from out of nowhere and seems to know things that she shouldn't be able to know and this very much is a workable metaphor along with i don't know positive hauntings maybe that the captain was referring to just now by talking about ghost justine of something that happens to mm-hmm. us in daily life all the time when we have spent a lot of time with another person when we are away from them we will often be able to pause and think about what they would do or what their reaction would be or what their response would be and come up with a pretty close like version of what they very well might say mm-hmm. and so when clients have worked with like Justine or I for a really long time it is pretty common that like Maybe they have to take a pause. Maybe it's a planned pause in treatment. Maybe it's not. Maybe um, they have, feel like they've gotten what they needed. Maybe they've moved. But that like people will either return or reach back out and let us know that it they have that experience of feeling like even though they no longer work with us anymore, that they feel like they have they have their version of us that mm-hmm. continues to be with them and they can kind of like continue to go to. Um, in times of stress when they are in need of support. It's kind of similar to like, I don't know, like Obi-Wan in the the OG Star Wars movies. Yeah, he was a nice ghost. He was helpful. He was part of the force. Well, and you and I have had this this experience uh, with one of our mentors. This is true. And and we will ask each other for, you know, if we're having a struggle, well, what what would Pocket Patty say? I really hope that Patty listens to this episode. Like, Patty, if you're going to listen to any episode, I really hope you listen to this one so you can be like, wow, Pocket Patty, they still do that. Um, and the answer is, yes, Patty. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh. uh, while, while you're listening to us talk about our mentor, maybe take a moment, think about who are the mentors in your life. Absolutely. Um, because whether they are still with you or you're still able to see them or not, they continue to impact us long after um, the point when we were maybe with them in more frequency, right, in, in real time. And they have the ability to continue to help us kind of long after that time ends, in part because of the power of imagination and, and the ways that our minds work, right? Because 
our from on an emotional level, we our emotions respond to what we imagine in almost exactly the same way as something that we are experiencing in real life. And there is real power and like and I think the potential for real healing in that. Um to think of our mentors, think of our helpers, think of those who showed up for us, who really saw us, who were there for us. And when we're able to do that, including in times of great stress, we we feel the positive impact of that presence again. And that can really help us mm-hmm. move out of the abyss. Mm-hmm. And so we got we got yeah. Carol, and Carol, Carol's able to do that for herself as she begins to remember more Mm -hmm. which uh i would say the the revelation or the abyss um for carol i mean for veers she's still veers Mm -hmm. um and she's soaking up the 90s which i i wish i could go do it all over again i loved all of it i'm so glad the fashion is back uh they say if you wore it the first time you shouldn't wear it the second time but i don't give a fuck what they say uh (laughs) no i and i I would push back on that so hard and i i would also offer as like a personal aside one of the great things about fashion kind of being a cycle and it coming back is that if you are not able to fully engage in something at a certain particular time in your life um i i was not i spent much of my childhood and teenage years on vulcan um (laughs) <laughs> but now, now I have the opportunity to go out and do things like buy Doc Martens and and wear brown lipstick. And it it really, it makes the inner teenage Vulcan in me so happy. It's the like, mm-hmm. amazing sort of transformative process to be like, look, we couldn't do it then, but we can do it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So even in the midst of all of this, this awesome 90s-ness, mm-hmm. um, her memories start to come back. And I think what would be the abyss or the death of that sea cycle mm. is, is when uh, the memory comes back of what happened in that crash. And suddenly her sense of reality has been not just challenged, but completely destroyed. So things she thought were true were not true. People she thought were her friends are her enemies. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anything more abyssish than right. that. Or and, and and the coming out of the abyss is really, it, it changes your whole world worldview. And you look at sexy Jude Law and you're like, hey, you might be sexy, but you're kind of the worst. <laughs> I feel that way about all of Jude Law's characters. It's true. I don't know if he's ever played someone and I'm like, you are attractive and likable. No. Uh, <laughs> recently I rewatched the, I think it was like Joe Wright's version of, of uh, Anna Karenina and he plays mm-hmm. uh, Karen in um, not, not just, just an example of what you're saying yet again of how it's mm-hmm. like, wow, you're, you're, you're sexy Jude Law, but also just terrible, just terrible. <laughs> I can't fantasize about Mm -hmm. you now. Just no. Mm -mm. Abort that one. (laughs) Get get me out of the holodeck. I run a different different sequence here. It's not working. Um, Yeah, so her, her transformation coming out of that abyss is 
starting to accept that these memories she has are Mm -hmm. true, who she really is, who are the people who really care about her. And she transforms again, you know, in the past she transformed from Carol into Veers and now she's moving from Veers back into Carol. Well, yes and no. I mean, she's certainly becoming more fully integrated, right? Um, Yes. But it's not as if she can go back. Um, what was it? Right. What no, was, it? was it like Thomas Wolfe who was like, you can never go home again. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, there's, there's some real truth in that, right? Like she can't, she can't go back. She can't go back to like her and Maria hanging out together, wanting to be fighter par- pilots, you know, like co-parenting Maria's young child. Um, part of her really wants to, but she can't because she, she is Carol now. She, she's also veers. She's like rejoined that part of herself both into her name and into her identity, but she's also something more, something mm-hmm. marvelous, if you will. Oh, I know you did I, it. I can't believe I did it, but I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thus she becomes full on Captain Marvel complete with like the whole, the suit and the helmet hair situation. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, so she is trans. She is transformed. She's, yeah, and then, yeah, li- she's literally transformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my little chart, uh, next stop is atonement. Well, that's true. That is the next stop. Um, and I was about to be like, and that doesn't really fit here. And then I was like, Spock, don't be stupid, because it absolutely does. Um, because what mm-hmm. she then does is she works with um, the scroll, who, I mean, certainly she wasn't like the the main player in perpetrating atrocities against the scroll, but she was certainly working in support of that when she was with the Kree. Mm-hmm. And so she looks at all of them and she says, you know, rather than simply returning home to Earth first, I must, I must find a way to make this right. I need to help these basically alien refugees. And find them a place where they can be safe and they can live without the constant threat of sexy Jude Law and the Cree people coming at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that's that's definitely an atonement. Mm-hmm. And whether she verbalized her her sorrow at her part in what happened, like it's it's implicit. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, because the final stage is the return, right? That the hero is supposed to return to their community, mm-hmm. their world, their family, their partner, and bring with them like a special skill or a gift, sometimes called the elixir, um, that will not just transform themselves, but will transform their community as well. Um, the Tesseract! Right. right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so she does that and then and then there's that that juxtaposition or that dovetailing again of she literally returns because nick mm-hmm. fury paged her on the intergalactic the best intergalactic pager ever <laughs> <laughs> and she returns to earth to begin the i don't know perhaps the final of, of the avengers heroes journeys as a team to try and just get rid of Thanos for Christ's sakes. Oh, see, I I see it a little bit differently. Oh, sure. 
Um, so I see her return as when she goes back to space mm-hmm. after the mm-hmm. film. Um, and so that's her return. Um, to, to what is she returning? Isn't that where she goes at no, the no, end of the movie? No, she does. She goes back to space, but like she's not she's not from space originally. Mm. She, mm, but but Captain Marvel is of space. Sure. Oh, now we're we're going real deep here on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's returning to where her powers came sure. from. And she is because I is see... integrated with her powers now, right? Oh, but now this is sex. It's like will does will Carol does Carol have new Carol Captain Marvel Carol? What is her home like? Does she have a solid? Is it a place? Is it an idea? Is it a set of people, or is it more expansive? Is it more? Has it like has her sense of home transcended what we understand home to be? Yeah, I think it would have to be because she she is not none of us are just one thing, right? right? Uh we talked about that in our IFS episode. Mm-hmm. Um we are we are all we all contain multitudes, but her multitudes are so vast mm-hmm. that once integrated, I think it would be impossible for her to feel like any one place was home. Uh, she might be able to feel like any one person was home. Yes. So I'm I'm really glad that you brought this up and took us here, even though I didn't initially see where we were going at first, because this gets back to something that Joseph Campbell himself talked about, particularly later on in his life, um, that he he was attempting to express this idea that myths and stories had reached this point had reached this point of, of ending where like we needed more. We needed to have a sense of kind of not just what is the next hero's journey, um, but where are we going as individuals, as a people, mm. as a planet? Like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, it, it can't, we need, we, we need stories that are not just going to be about us as individuals or even like s- certain small groups. We now need stories about how, how we are going to be and do and move collectively. And how do we strike this balance between the one and the many? Um, and, you know, it really seemed like it. this caused him kind of a great a great deal of sort of like stress and, and inner turmoil, trying to think about, well, what, what did this mean? Where would we go? And that there was like even at times real sadness that he felt that the hero's journey, while I think it very much still applies in many ways, that perhaps we've we've arguably reached its limits. And I think he very much wrestled with that at the end of his life. And with Carol, we have... What is perhaps an attempt to not move past it, but bring more into it and begin to talk about this idea of, of how can home be more expansive? How can Mm -hmm. community be more expansive? Um, Because ultimately, and those who know me are going to know where I'm going with this, because ultimately what's happening right now for us as a planet is that like the planet... The planet is dying. Yes. I, if you, people like listeners, if you know me out in the real world, you know, I talk about this per, arguably too much, but nonetheless, there it is. Right. Um, the planet is, the planet is dying right now. Yes. It's, or if we, or if we feel like that's too macabre, it is really struggling. And if, and if the planet's going to make it and we're going to make it, we all need to come together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe who better than, 
Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, to help us from a narrative standpoint, think about what that might look like. Because Carol's allegiance isn't just to herself. It isn't just to one group. It's to everyone and all of us. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. And I even got in that part about how we need to take care of our planet. <laughs> I know. You just, you've been chomping on that. How can I bring up how the earth is dying? <laughs> yeah. And have it make sense. Uh, so what, uh, where I was headed mm-hmm. after the yeah. return is I, I would take your intergalactic pager as her next call to adventure. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. So um, I know people all over Twitter have been up in arms about why either why didn't uh, Fury use the pager sooner when there was other bad stuff happening um, or uh, my favorite fan theory is that he has paged her before and she's just been like, I've got other shit going on. <laughs> uh, but I, I believe that uh, when Thanos knocked out half of all life in the galaxy, mm-hmm. that it got her attention. Right. And, and she was like, this page is important. Or I suppose like in, in my, in my version, my, of my headcanon, I like to think that like she and Nick Fury um, talk or talked relatively frequently, right? I like to think that they just mm. paged each other back and forth across the universe and time itself. Um, and that they, that while they ha- may perhaps haven't seen each other, like literally seen each other, or been in the same physical location in decades, maybe, um, that they still talk and they stay in touch. And I don't know, that she asks after Goose. Intergalactic, Intergalactic Pentels, right? <laughs> Aided by <laughs> that great 1990s technology of the the pager, <laughs> I, that's that's just what's happening for me. I <laughs> I really I like that headcanon a lot. I like to think that th- there's a way for them to actually send snail mail, and that uh, Nick Fury has an assortment of stationery. <laughs> I feel like he'd be the kind of of person who would use a lot of stickers and glitter yes. pens. And I I love this theory. I love it too. Now I'm just picturing Nick Fury with like a like a, a Hello Kitty um, stationary set. Yes, like here, Carol. <laughs> How are you? Everything's good up in here. G- Goose, Goose is, is good. good. He <laughs> he uh, ate one of my workers. That was unfortunate, <laughs> but, you know, but I never liked exactly. my guy anyway. Tony Stark continues to be a real pill. Wish you were here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Tony and Cap are in a relationship, but they won't talk about but it. They really need to. <laughs> also, what's up with Hawkeye? Let me tell you about oh, this Hawkeye guy. Hawkeye, Hawkeye is. Best left for another pod, really. Best left for another pod. <laughs> All right. As we are winding down here, do we have kind of like final thoughts or things that we would like our listeners to take away with them, sir? Other than the greatness of flannel and nine inch nails? Um, those are both amazing things that I encourage you to mm-hmm. enjoy. Um <laughs> I think the biggest takeaway and and the the reason that I bring up the hero's journey so often is 
is for the purpose of showing that the abyss is in the middle, mm-hmm. that, that the struggle is not the beginning or the end, it's the middle. Um, and the reason I find that so important is because when we're going through things that are really difficult, it can feel so easy to go to a place of it will never be better. It will always be like this. And looking at the hero's journey, you can see that it's not going to be like this and you will get through it and you will take something away from it. And it will likely be, as I call them, a shittily wrapped gift, but there is a gift there. We're not all going to get the tesseract, but you're going to come out with something, some gift that you didn't have before some gift of insight or strength, like the butterfly flapping its wings, you're going to be able to fly. And when you're feeling like things are really difficult or you're experiencing challenges, I think it's really useful to pull up this image and just look to see that it's it's mm-hmm. going to change. There will be a transformation. Really beautifully said, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, now I know it's my time to list off our terms for the day. Um, yes. yes. So, and all these names I can pronounce. It's beautiful. No, it's your uh, best day. <laughs> it really is, sir. <laughs> um, all right. So we got the monomyth or hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, archetypes, the collective unconscious. We didn't talk about either of those directly today, but I, you know, I feel like it's worth, worth mentioning again. Um, and then last but not least, the concept of integration. Mm, a great concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a few fandoms today, even though we had not meant to have them. That's true. Um, we had the mid-1990s Batmans. <laughs> Batmans? The Batmans, if you will. Uh, we had Lost. Mm-hmm. What else did we have? Those were like the, uh, the hungry ones. little caterpillar. That's right. The very hungry little caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That, like, we, we went way back in the stacks for that one. Uh-huh. And, and nature. nature. Look it up out the your window. window. <laughs> That's right. Nature. The original fandom. <laughs> and really, this just brought us all back around because part of what we're talking about today is how can you care for the original fandom in a gentler way? Oh, Mm. I don't know how we create these gems. I don't know. But we do. But I'm, I'm very proud of us. <laughs> I'm proud of us too. This is just like this this shows you what sleep and recovery from illness can get you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cogent thought. Woo! We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. Fly, butterfly, fly! Tune in to our next ep on Grief and the Batman. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live Live long long and and prosper. prosper.